All right, guys, welcome to Fire Builders Live. My name is Josh Corporal. I am streaming live from Key West, Florida. Today, I have a very special guest, Positive Neil, Neil Jordan. Welcome to the show, my man. <laughs> welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And welcome, everyone that's, uh, that's jumped on watching. I'm not as anywhere as nice as Key West. Uh, I'm in uh, Essex, <laughs> just outside of London, not, not as fashionable. Well, I tell you what, like, uh, it's been raining all day here. So, uh, man, I would take that, like, once it rains, once it cools down, man, it's perfect temperature here. Not to, not to brag or anything, but Key West isn't the worst place to be living right now. Uh, but, uh, but guys, welcome to the show. If you're not familiar with how Fire Builders works, what we do is we bring on experts and we talk about big concepts. We talk about big goals. And we break those things down into small steps that you can do every day. Today is a very cool episode. It's something I personally am very interested in. It's all about meditation. It's all about how you can use meditation to improve your life. And Neil is Neil is the guy to talk to about meditation. So let me make sure that I get this right, Neil, because uh, I know that you've had sort of a seedy past, and we're going to get into that. That's what I think makes your story yeah, so incredible. I don't know about seedy. Seedy in England <laughs> means, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, is that a different – what does that mean in England? Well, seedy means a little bit more like uh, leaning on the sexual like, side. <laughs> so that's yeah? not what I meant. That's not what I meant at all, right? You Like a rough, like a rougher past. You know? Yeah, you that's had, like, a, a, colorful. A, a colorful. A colorful, yeah. colorful past. And uh, – and and then you transitioned, you know, you had an episode, something happened, you kind of started thinking about life a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you, you started coaching, you started getting into meditation, you went and traveled over to India numerous times, you spent time with people in Rajasthan and yogis, and learned these traditional techniques. And what you've learned, you have brought back to the UK, uh, and, and really to a worldwide coaching audience, yep. and, and are teaching people how to, you know, how to, how to, find that happiness within themselves, how to use these techniques to improve their life, to improve their positivity, to improve their thinking. And you are somebody that, again, doesn't pull punches. And that's what I love about this is that you are just, you are there. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I I really like to, um, I think what I help people do is uh, start the pathway of mastering their mind. And I think um, happiness and things like this, these are all elements and layers, but they're not the goal um, because they're they're things that we can develop and use within our lives. Um, Once you understand it from from the way that we use it in the meditation. Uh, But um, yeah, it's really about mastering the mind because it's so powerful. So powerful. It's it's like, uh, what do they say that the mind is a, is a, horrible leader but it's an amazing follower kind of thing where if you can tame it you're better off yeah definitely but i think unfortunately modern society is is it's a bit out of balance because everyone's just looking for the positive side whereas actually you need to understand the negative side because it's actually within your negativity that you've got all the clues and the information of the work that you need to do on yourself. And if anyone's watching this thinking that you're already perfect and you ain't got to do no work on yourself, then um, you've already admitted that you need to do some work on yourself. Right. <laughs> right. That's a sure sign that you are screwed yeah, yeah. up somewhere in here. You need yeah, to fix something. Denial management. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so – so before we kind of get into the nitty gritty about what we're going to talk about, about meditation, uh, talk a little bit about where, you know, how you came to this point, like what happened in your life, a little bit about your, your younger days and how you transitioned into thinking that meditation was the way to go. Okay, so quickly, my mum introduced me to meditation. I wasn't interested at all. Um, I was quite happy smoking wacky backy. You know what that is out in the States, yeah? We do, just a little <laughs> bit, especially in Key West. <laughs> so um, wacky backy, marijuana, Mary Jane, whatever you want to call it, um, was my rock. It was the, the, the thing that had carried me through from 14 years old right up and, until I was 28 when I started learning the meditation. Um, but prior to that, um, I, 
Yeah, look, I'd, people say it's a difficult life. They say like it's an experience that they wouldn't wouldn't want to experience, but I wouldn't change any of it. So I don't almost like to look at it as a negative experience because then I would then be saying I'm not happy with who I am because I'm the outcome of that. I'm partly the outcome of that experience. So I need to accept it and embrace it. And to be honest, we had a great laugh as well, but there was um, a lot of drugs, a lot of chaos, a lot of violence. Um, it was a, it was a mad, mad world. Um, my, my best mate, who was like my older brother, he was murdered in 1994. Um, um, I've had, a, 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 someone else I knew they hung themselves because they got AIDS through sharing needles. Uh, I didn't do any of the needle stuff. Um, thankfully I was scared of needles. So I stayed away from it. Um, but practically everything else I ended up doing. So, in terms of society's like grading and rating system, yeah, I was a scumbag, you know what I mean? Yeah, I was like, yeah, n- n- nobody wants anything to do with me. I'm not worth anything. I'm not going to go anywhere. You know how society pigeonholes you like that? Is that what people were telling you? Like there's the, the constant messaging that you were receiving? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, you're just a loser. You're, 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 you're worth nothing. And then people come along and try and help you. And um, you see through it quickly that they're just trying to um, do it for themselves rather than you. And um, as soon as they start hitting some stumbling blocks with your development, um, it don't go the way they want it. They give up and and you kind of end up in this cycle of um, people come and go, people come and go. But as long as I'm smashed, as long as I'm numb, because that's what I, I that's what I understand now what I was doing then. But I wasn't doing it consciously, but I was trying to numb myself because I wasn't happy with myself. I wasn't happy with life. I wasn't happy with society. I didn't like the hypocrisy, the two-facedness. That's something I can't stand even today is um, like, if you don't like me, tell me. Don't don't pretend that you like me. Um, and, 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 And that kind of stuff made it very difficult for me to find a place in society. So I rejected it all. And um and almost wanted to leave planet earth and and you can do that when you're smashed out your head so um i think that's why i ended up taking that path did uh was there was there any one specific thing that happened to you that sort of was the crystallization seed of a change like what happened yeah i i get asked this question so many times but i think if you do a timeline it's it's collective events um, because uh, different ones have, have created different impressions inside of me. So my mate being murdered was a big one, um, but there'd been some before that. I'd been homeless four times before that. So each each time I was homeless, um, sometimes through my, well, nearly always through my own actions and stuff, uh, I nearly OD'd three times. So they all had impressions. Um, I nearly killed someone in a fight. That had an impression. Uh, I had to do a run around the country. I'd been kidnapped and held in a house against my will. So all of these collectively um, um, took me in the direction that they took me. But I think what's key with those as well is all of those events could have broken people. And I think that's the key thing. I think even before I learned meditation and understood how consciousness works, there was an element of toughness and resilience within me that enabled me to um, absorb those experiences and keep going. And just like you said at the very beginning of the show, like it's through an understanding of those negative experiences that allow you to, to, to get some clarity on what it is that you want to change about yourself, what you need to change, uh, what you want to adjust and, and uh, in order to become a better person, in order to improve your life in some way, shape or form. And look, that and, and that isn't new, yeah? Um, there's an ancient Hindi picture that depicts all of this, the battle between good and evil, and we all see this. And in stories that have been shared, all every single story is about the battle between good and evil. Every single story in some shape or form, different characters, uh, different elements within it, but it's always this battle of who's going to win the outcome. And the reason that we like those stories is because they're stories about us. We've all got the battle going on inside, 
between our positivity and our negativity. But if we keep using denial management, one, we don't cultivate and develop our positivity. And then, because we're staying in the middle and, and, and pretending, the negativity then gets empowered. It actually strengthens it. Uh, whereas I need to accept my weaknesses, my negativity. If, if you're driving a car, um, and in England, when you need oil added to the engine, an oil light will come up on a dashboard. I'm, I'm assuming it's the same in, in the States, yeah? Yeah, same deal, same deal. Okay, so um, what if that warning sign just came up and said, warning, how helpful would that be? <laughs> Not very. They just yeah. make you worry. That's right. That's yeah. actually what cars have now, by the way. There's just a warning light, and you don't know what it is until you go to the dealership and they tell you what that means. And then earn some dollar out of you. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. Okay, so in the more traditional sense of the warning light, it would come up with an oil can, so you know I need to go and get some oil or pay someone to put some oil into my engine, yeah? So negativity is a warning sign that we need to change something about us. It's not about the circumstance. It's not about the people. We often make it about those uh, because culturally that's kind of what we're taught. Everyone goes around complaining and pointing the finger and blaming everyone. But when we actually take responsibility and the clues in the word, my ability to respond, then um, the onus falls on me. So I need to work out, well, what is it I need to change? And and the paradox with that, the irony, is that the more I take responsibility stuff, the more control it gives me over the situation. And ultimately, that's what we all want. We all want control over everything. That's what gives us the problem, that we feel like we have no control. Yeah? But if we take ownership of it and my contribution, then um, I've got full control. Because it's, it's, it's all in my hands. Well, before we go any farther, let me put this up on the screen, right? Just uh, for some people that are watching, Neil, I have to say your story is an absolute life changer, such a survival tool for today's world. Absolutely. I mean, the story <laughs> itself is, in, is incredible, what you've gone through. And what you said about uh, responsibility and breaking that down into your response ability, I've mm -hmm. never, never heard that before, and I never put that oh, together. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and that's all responsibility is. People think it's this heavy burden and stuff, but it's just your ability to respond to a challenge. But because people are um, challenge adverse, um, that is where the problem lies. It's not in the challenge itself. It's that people don't want to be challenged. Uh, they want everything easy. They want it um, simple. They want to cut all the corners. And, and unfortunately, even our education system in, in both our countries, um, it creates this. Yeah. We study all year and then we, we have an exam or we, um, um, uh, put a, a project together and then we reveal it at the end. So it's all about you could do anything in that year and then just blag it at the end. Yeah. You know the word blag? Uh, no, but I would imagine that means like completely screw it up. No, no, blag means to, um, to like, uh, well, you're not going to know waffle either. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, blag means to, um, like trick you. Yeah. It means to, um, use a bit of BS. Yeah. yeah? So you're, you're, um, um, a blagger is actually like a, a, a lawyer. Yeah. So you know what lawyers do? They, yeah. they make sure that you see it from their point of view, whether it's true or not. Yeah. So that's blagging. Yeah. Blagging. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, well, so I agree. And, uh, and, and also let me put this up real quick too, before we go any further, right? Steven said, when I feel times of stress, I realize that that's my warning sign. Then I ask myself why that always helps. Thank you for your messages. Right. So you're right in a sense that people feel that warning sign within them. And yeah. it's, it's just up to you. It's your own responsibility to recognize that or to do you know, what I feel most people do is just, just ignore it and then end up, end up making that their new normal. Yeah. And what I want to add to that is also a third option. Yeah. Is you um, learn from it and I go and check the oil in the car before the warning light comes on. 
if I'm constantly checking the oil, that warning light will never, ever come on. So I never need to get put into that position. So if I keep touching base with myself and I keep checking myself, then I'm going to, and I'll put a caveat in here, I'm going to minimize yeah, the opportunity to develop stress because that what is stress? It's an internal experience created by us. It does, it's not in the atmosphere and it floats in, yeah? <laughs> I, I observe what's going on and then I create thoughts quite often like I don't want this to happen and because it's not going my way, I then convert that into stress. And I, I think this is the key thing as well is understanding that you've got thought is on a vibrational level before it starts turning into a, a hormonal level yeah hormones don't just start to get flushed into the system you need to have an awareness and, and and a thought before that happens as an example you get um you go up in a plane two people um you go up in a plane to parachute out one doesn't want to do it the other one cannot wait yeah they buy all the gear and it's what they want to do in their spare time You've got exactly the same scenario, but polar opposite experiences. So how is going up in a plane and jumping out the plane a stress creator? It's creating fun for one and horror for the other. That's a choice. That's uh, an interpretation of the event. So where is stress coming from? It's coming from me. I'm creating it. So do you think, though, that that's a learned choice as in as in the guy that this is what he wants to do? He's bought all the gear and everything. That's not a natural reaction, right? That's something that maybe he had to work towards. And I feel like that's a, that, that, that's a fair point with that example. But when we understand how the mind actually works, um, what, what, what we want to take out of that ex- example is that I have a choice in every single moment. And if it's a new experience, I've still got a choice. Maybe I have got to move into a stressed state to understand what my options are. But den- but I'm still in that position of challenge and denial management and blame is not going to help me proceed. It's not going to help me through it. Yeah, I'm much better off saying... If I can reduce the emotion and see it for what it is, then I'm going to find it a lot easier to move into a solution focus, which all challenges are problems that need a solution. That's all they are. Well, so this is a perfect this is a perfect segue into the first main question. When, you know, we haven't even really touched on the meditation part yet. So actually before we even do, how does the meditation now fit into this? Well, we, we, it's understanding what the word meditate means. The word meditate in old English, um, uh, means to ponder your mind. Um, so, uh, someone would say, go away and, and meditate on that. So go away and think about it and come up with your answer. Yeah. Um, so my understanding, my experience and my practice is choosing the direction of my consciousness. It's been able to um, withdraw the mind from external um, stimulus and uh, distraction, get into a focused state, and then choose a new direction to then express my awareness. That, for me, is meditation. And so question on that then, what, for you, for you, like, as you talk about it and ponder it for yourself, meditate on it, like, to what purpose, right? What is the idea? What is the, the end goal for you? The end goal, and, and um, there's no chicken or cockerel in Essex, by the way. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> in case anyone's wondering. That's part of the Key West experience. <laughs> They're all over the place. Um, Joe, I've forgotten the question now. I was thinking about the cockerel. So, so... <laughs> so as you as you withdraw from external stimuli and, yep. and focus your um, focus What's your intention, yeah. What what is the goal? Okay, right. Ultimately, it's to master my mind. But why do I want to master my mind? Um, what the human race has lost over the last couple of thousand years 
is the ability to um, bring energy into the world. What people are now doing is constantly trying to extract energy from the world. Yeah. Um, so the, the aim is to fill myself up with conscious energy to such an extent that I can bring that positive vibration through my thoughts, my words and my actions, which in essence is your life. Um, and then bring that into my life rather than constantly running around looking for sources of temporary physical, what I call the primary motivators, love, peace, and happiness, yeah, which is what drives everyone. That's all we want is love, peace, and happiness. But what we've forgotten is that I, I generate that. I am that. Yeah, they're not. I'm not going to get that from buying the latest thing. I might get a temporary experience, but I've actually created that experience inside. It's an illusion that I think that thing gave it to me. Yeah. I use my phone as an example. Let me grab it. So I use this as an example all the time. So, yes, there are other brands other than Apple, right? So this is a, a, a Samsung, all right? So I quite often say to people, when I first opened this, I experienced happiness. Um, not anymore because I want the latest version. I haven't got it now, right? Right. Yeah. So when I first opened it, how am I experiencing happiness? How does Samsung get happiness inside the phone? Is it that they've got vats of liquid happiness that they pour into the mold or do they pull it inside the microchip? Or uh, And when I open it, it floats up my arm and I have the experience. I feel like it's uh, it's that you're – that you're for a moment contemplating all the possibilities of what you can do with the phone. And so many people, clever people come back with that one. All right. But break down that process. Yeah. I'm looking at the phone. The phone's not telling me the possibilities. I'm creating the possibilities. Could someone else would see the phone and go, what a waste of money. Yeah. What would you need that for? I only need to make calls and texts. Yeah, why, why do you need a computer in your pocket? So, again, we're back to it's a choice. Yeah. So where is the happiness coming from? It starts off on a vibrational level. Then I tell my chemist, my pituitary gland, yeah, and then he makes his mix and then pumps it around my system. So I then physically experience happiness. But it's all come from the thought. Let's take your example. It's all, wow, the possibilities, yeah? And I've created that thought, told my chemist, and now I'm full of, was it serotonin and uh, dopamine and, yeah, and oxytocin and all that all stuff? That, yeah. But if I hadn't had that vibrational thought, if I hadn't had that in my awareness that this is good, that hormonal experience wouldn't have happened. Well, interestingly enough, um, I feel like a lot of it is the marketing of the phone itself. You know, the impressions and expectations that are out there in the world about what the phone represents. Well, and that's, what the you yeah. that's, that's the power of marketing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, the forefather of marketing was Goebbels, yeah, of modern marketing. And look what he did. He made normal people hate Jews and think that Germans were the greatest race ever after Munich. And um, that was all marketing. And those tactics and techniques that were used then are what used in modern day marketing. So it's very manipulative based on people's virtue and what they think they're going to get out of it. Yeah. A, lump, a lump of metal with four wheels is not going to give you happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're unfamiliar with it. If you're, if you're seeing it for the first time and you were just to look at it, and say, what is this thing? You wouldn't have those expectations at all. They wouldn't even exist. That's right. It reminds me of a, a story of a psychologist. Um, and look, I don't do bibliographies and all of that, so you'll have to Google it if you want to find <laughs> out who it was. I don't bother remembering that bit of the information. I just take the essence of what I've learned from it. And um, there was this psychologist who worked with pygmies in Africa. And um, so pygmies live in an environment like this, yeah? So he took him to the edge of the jungle and then he pointed to the horizon. And he said, what's that on the horizon? 
And the pygmy said, it's an ant, right? So they got in his, probably a Land Rover. I'm sure there's other all-terrain vehicles available. So anyway, they drove out to this ant, and it was a bison. And this um, pygmy was like, ah, black magic and, and all of this sort of stuff. Because his awareness hadn't broken past um, the, the, the constant um, trees and plants, and he had no comprehension that you could see something so far away. So you're 100% right there. You, we only desire what it is we've previously experienced. So this is why marketing companies play on your emotions and your feelings and your virtues and values because they know you've experienced that. And that's what they've got to play with, especially when they're selling you something that you don't even want or you didn't even know right. was available. Yeah. 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 Well, um, so, so, yeah. so let me throw this, let me put this up because Daisy took the words right out of my mouth, right? As we're, as we're considering now, right? Moving away, like expanding our experiences a bit, thinking more positive, um, using, using, meditation as a as a as a gateway essentially to to make that happen uh the first question that i like to ask on this show just in general and this is goes very nicely with what daisy just asked is is how would you start if you now can identify those feelings those um the the negativity that you experience in your life and you want to start making the transition between thinking negative and thinking more positive what would you what would you suggest as far as a good way to start? Everything begins with a thought. So straight away, you've got to start bringing a new thought into your consciousness and awareness. When I teach people how to do the meditation, I say to them, you, you don't want to think of anyone, anything, or anywhere. What you want to do, because that's all linked to something external, what we want to become is self-sufficient. And this might feel like um, um, the, uh, like a bit silly at first, in Hindi, you've got the word sankalp. And if there's any Indians watching, I do apologize. I'm from Essex. We destroy, we, we destroy all words from all languages, even English. Um, so you've got the word sankalp. And sankalp means like, a determined thought, a, a thought, a thought p- filled with power. Like, uh, d- determined means two different things, doesn't it? It means the determination, the energy of determination. But determined means it's 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 going to happen. There's no question. It's happening. It's determined. Yeah. So it's using that awareness and that understanding, and you create a thought. And we start off with I, because it's me, am, because that's now, peaceful. And peaceful is the first one that we work on. And I know there's a lot of manly men out there that don't like the word peace. Just change it to tranquility, serenity, like calm whatever is more happy with your way of looking at things. But ultimately, what we're trying to achieve is after that thought, we want the experience. So we say it, and this is part of the meditation process. I have like six steps to the meditation um, to break it down for people to work on. And it's, I am peaceful. And then we pause. And now it's in that pause that people have the trouble, yeah? Because without practice, you're not going to have an experience of a peaceful vibration because that's what we're trying to do, that vibrational thought before it becomes hormones and, and a physical vibration. So it's, I am peaceful, like you mean it, like nothing is going to stop you. But what will happen is, is you will go, I am peaceful, just like Neil said, I am peaceful. And then your mind will go, no, you're not. How can you be peaceful? You've got this to do, you've got that to do. You go, How can you just sit here and make it up? Yeah, it's got to be harder than that. This is too simple and all of this sort of stuff. I've had all of those thoughts. But you hang on, yeah, because all you're after is a nanosecond of an experience of peace. So if you feel, and some people say to me, well, what is peace? What does that feel like? If you feel better than you did a second ago, that's peace. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, it's not rocket science, yeah. Otherwise, you'll be sitting there going, 
Like, what's peace? Am I experiencing it? Like, well, question, right? Because, because as I think about this in my own head, as you're talking, I can automatically hear those voices say, dude, you have, you have all these things to do. You've got responsibilities, you've got stress, et cetera. Am I to not listen to it? Well, well, it's two things, right? A bit like what we touched on earlier. You, with proper personal development, you will become aware of your negativity. If you're not becoming aware of your negativity, you're not doing your personal development right. Yeah. Um, so as soon as we start to quieten the mind, we become aware of what's in there, and that's all you're doing there is you're becoming aware of all of that. So if we were working together on a one-to-one level, or you were inside my membership, the Good Thinking Club. What I'd be saying to you is, is if you're thinking about those things, it's because you're not structuring your time properly. You're not managing your tasks properly. Yeah. Because um, if you did, then you're more likely to have a different level of thinking. Now, especially as entrepreneurs and business owners and stuff, um, and I'm sure having kids, you have the same problem. I haven't got any kids. Um we need to have creative thinking because we need solutions to challenges. We also need to stare at a clean sheet of paper and design something and come up with something. And we need creative thinking for that. And if I'm constantly thinking about what's wrong with me, I'm stressed, I've got this to do, I've got that to do, yet it's such a waste of consciousness. So we have to get steps in place, practical steps, to manage all of that. I've got to make sure I'm hydrated. I've nearly done this glass. We've only been here half an hour. Um, I've got to stay hydrated. I've got to get fresh air. I've got to get daylight on my face before 10 a.m. I've got to get a decent night's sleep. You've got to stop putting drugs and chemicals and all of that inside of you. Tell me. I know I know that, yeah? Um, and if you do all of this, it makes it easier to, to master your mind. And then you map out, you understand your time and what windows you've got. So in the Good Thinking Club, we've got like mastering the basics, which I just listed, mastering your time, mastering your um, tasks. Then we move into mastering your thoughts. Because we need those other three are the distracting things. So when we sit quietly, if they're all in order, I'm going to get distracted by them less then I'm going to be able to go in the direction that I want my mind to go. But you did ask me, should I just ignore them? That is one tactic. Denial management actually becomes helpful then. Yeah. But treat your thoughts like kids. And we don't have to have kids to know that you ignore a kid long enough, he'll go off somewhere else. Yeah. He might make loads of noise, keep crying and the rest of it. But if you hold fast, you will win and they'll go off somewhere else. And it's the same with your thoughts. Just because you have a thought doesn't mean you've got to dance with it. It's like a painter paints the painting. The painter isn't the painting. So the thinker thinks the thought. The thinker isn't the thought. I like that. Yeah, Yeah. it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. So just just because you're having these thoughts don't mean you have to entertain them. But then we come up with different tactics and strategies on how to deal with, because some are going to be such painful thoughts that come up from the past. They, it's, it's the warning light on the dashboard, and you need to do something about it. So then you need to explore them. But then I've got strategies and stuff for, to enable people to do that. I've got a thing called the want formula. Um, uh, but, but to answer your question, and I can go off track because I, I just love this stuff, uh, the simplest thing to do to make headway is practice. I am peaceful with determination and learn to sit quietly. I even do 10 seconds. I don't mean quietly reading a book, not even quietly looking at the birds. You can start off with that because nature is quite a good thing to do it with. But the reason we do open eye meditation is because when I rest my eyes in a still point, I can then develop control and focus over my eyes. So I get less distracted by things. And that's what I need to do. I need to master my senses to be able to really sit in that that peaceful and stillness that where I then recharge. It's uh, instead of, for instance, closing your eyes and letting your mind's eye sort of go into all sorts of directions. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, but it depends what your outcome is. 
I think people meditate now as a replace uh, uh, to escape their lives. Yeah. So it's an escapism tactic, uh, just like having a spliff, having a beer, reading a book, going on holiday, buying something new, socializing, um, list goes on. Yeah. These are all distraction tactics. So you don't tap into your inner and eternal power. I've got to learn to stop being influenced by them and start developing it myself. And it's only then that I can, if I shut my eyes, they just become, there's three reasons why we don't shut our eyes. One is as soon as you shut your eyes, it becomes like a cinema screen and you have loads of visuals. And, and look, I used to do LSD and mushrooms and shutting your eyes was amazing. Yeah. Right? But that's not my aim anymore. I'm not doing it for entertainment. I'm doing it to master my mind. So I need to, if, if I can't master my senses, how am I going to master my mind? <laughs> yeah. Um, another reason is as soon as you shut your eyes, you've told your chemist to mix up some hormonal and chemicals to get you ready for sleep. So I shut my eyes now. Immediately, you can feel it. It's like men the melatonin and stuff being secreted into the system. So you know, yeah, it's right? even if you do, yeah, even if you don't want to, like it just happens. You're just right. used to it. And I've opened my eyes now, and I feel foggy. I haven't got the clarity of mind just in those couple of seconds that I had just a minute ago. Yeah, because now, and I think this is the thing that you understand, is I can have a thought about something, and then the hormones are in the system, and then I can have a different thought that takes me in a di another direction, but I've got to wait for those chemicals to wear off first. That's why people go, oh, I'm so depressed, I'm so depressed, I'm so... So you get depressed hormones, then they go, oh, I'm happy now, but, oh, I still feel heavy, man, yeah? Well, yeah, because you've still got that junk being flushed around the system. So give it a minute for your new chemicals to flush them out, um, and then you'll start to feel better again. Yeah? Um, but instead, people spiral down because they're coming under the influence of their own hormones. That's that uh, th Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I never really put together the fact that when you close your eyes like that, not only does it produce all of those, all of those visions, but also <laughs> actually makes you more sleepy. Yeah. Right? Because you're just used to that. That's right. And yeah. the third reason why we don't shut our eyes is because I don't know about you. I want to be powerful and peaceful and full of amazing energy when I'm awake. <laughs> that would be helpful. Yeah. I, I want to do it. I, I, I want to feel like that when I'm being faced with a challenge. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to. So someone at work comes up to you and starts doing your head in because people will still do your head in, even if you learn meditation, because that's your warning light that you've got to do some work on yourself. Yeah. All right. But they'll come up and the warning lights going off. You can't go, excuse me a moment. Yeah. I am so peaceful. I'm so peaceful. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm ready for you now. Go on. Go ahead. Yeah. Whereas I much prefer they come over to me, they do my head in, and without them even noticing, I go into a meditative state, I create such peaceful vibrations, it starts to affect them. It then slows down my thinking so I actually can hear their intention, not just what they're saying. So if someone's lying to me, I don't need to listen to your words. I've tuned in, mate. Yeah? And I've done all of this, and you don't even know. That's the power of our minds and learning open eye meditation. You can do it anywhere, anytime. And it's really helpful for when someone's telling you a boring story. Yeah? <laughs> right, where you, just, you just zone out. <laughs> well, no, you zone in. Yeah? They actually think you're listening. Yeah? <laughs> I'm well, only joking. I'm only no, joking. no, no, no. This is, this is good. This is good, man. What, you think I was doing that right now? No way. No way. I'm listening to everything you have to say. And I'm curious now, like, now knowing that, right, you've touched on it a little bit, but I feel like maybe maybe being more explicit, where do you expect, if no one's tried this before, the open eye meditation uh, and, and the I am peaceful sort of mantra in a way, if I were to do this consistently for the next seven days, two weeks, maybe even 30 days, in your experience, where do most people end up? How big of a change could, could somebody expect? 
Well, it depends on your sankalp, yeah? It depends on how determined you are with that thought. But I always say to people, you're better off doing one minute a day than doing 30 minutes a week, yeah? Because it, choosing the direction of your mind should be done 24-7, really. Uh, well, well, yeah, if you're a proper yogi, you can even do it when you're asleep, yeah? Um, but you, you, you should be choosing the direction of your mind the whole time. So this is what we're building up to. Everything that I teach is just training to help you get to that level. I'm not at that level yet after 20 years. And I don't want to put people off that you've got to do 20 years before you get anywhere. Everyone's personal journey is different. Um, but if you do one minute of what I've said, I am peaceful, sitting quietly with your eyes open. You do that for one minute a day for 30 days. Your life will change on some level. And how you know it will change is a challenge will come that's common in your life and you respond to it differently. That's how you measure it. Not, oh, I didn't levitate this morning. Oh, I didn't travel beyond the stars and come back again. You know what I mean? That They're not meditation measurements. If you have a lovely, fluffy meditation, quite often they're not the, the good ones. The good ones is when you carry on and your mind's really unstable and you don't want to do it and you keep going. Because meditating, becoming aware of your negativity, you have to go through a detox stage. I'm still going through a detox stage, yeah? Um, because the, the, the longer you do it, the deeper the stuff comes up. And that is the warning that has to come with this stuff, yeah? You've got a lot of baggage in there. Um, and you need to start opening the bags up and having a look. But it's then you notice that you deal with it differently. That's how you see the, the evidence. And some people will say, one minute? I can't do one minute. Do 30 seconds. Can't do 30 seconds? Do 10 seconds. Because even, was it one hippopotamus, two hippopotamus, three hippopotamus, four? That's only four seconds. And already, that's a long time. So start off with 10 seconds because some is better than none. But daily. Yeah. That's the trick. That's Cons the trick. Consistently. Did you, when you, when the negative stuff comes up for you, do you find that you write it down in some way or record it uh, so that you can work through it later? Well, look, people work in different ways, yeah? So I'm more kinesthetic, so I'm more on feeling and stuff. Some people are auditory, some people are um, visual. Um, so it's it's really working out what kind of works for you. Look, writing down and journaling is good because then you get a detached perspective when you then relook at it. So you've 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 broken the emotional involvement in it. So that can be really helpful. And the same with recording. Me personally, I suppose I'm a little bit more twisted. Um, I just like to just get in there and and really start. And I suppose a personal example, which has been probably the most powerful for me, uh, I touched on earlier that my best friend was murdered in 1994. He came to me for help the week before. And um, of that generation, and I know the world's softened up since, but um, in that generation then, if you started talking emotionally and openly with your male friend, yeah, they would think you were trying to make a pass at them, yeah? and they'd probably hit you, right? So <laughs> that was the environment. That was the culture I was in all those years ago. So I've got my mate, Kev, who's like my older brother. He's older than me, um, standing on my doorstep saying to me, I'm, I'm, I'm still doing the crack, um, but I've got a baby coming. Um, uh, the the father-in-law wants me to give me a job. I'm, 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 and he was in a terrible state. I was a 21, 22-year-old man. I didn't have a clue. I didn't. I was like, well, well, like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, now I would know what to do. And it's probably been the driving force to, to push me into what it is that I do now uh, because I never, ever want to get caught out in that situation again because I never saw him again. And a week later, he was taken on a drug deal um, by an ex-school friend they injected him with ketamine, they stripped him, they took the 65 grand off him and they threw him in a ditch and he died of hyperthermia. That destroyed me. I still owed him money. 
I'm never ever going to get that opportunity opportunity to pay that money back. I buried that. Um, I, I was in a relationship at the time, and I kept crying. I kept like just getting upset about it because there was nothing I could do, and and it was frustrating and upsetting. And she said to me, "Will you stop crying?" So as soon as she said that, I just put the wall up, and that wall stayed up for twenty three years. And I spent a life of self sabotage and didn't know why. And it's because I partly blamed myself for what happened. Now that that experience was totally chosen, totally created by me, implanted in myself, buried by me. And it was only in 2017, so only three years ago, uh, one of the, the original crew, I bumped into him and he showed me a photo of all of us. And my mate Kev was, I'd never seen this photo before. It wasn't like now where everyone takes a photo of everything and posts it at Facebook. Yeah, you, you, mate, I was too smashed to take photos, yeah, right? But someone had taken this photo. I was 16, drinking alcohol. It was in my flat. My mate Kev had a knife around someone's throat. He wasn't like that, but it was all just posing for the for the photo. It was pucker. It's on my Facebook profile if you want to have a look at it. And um, it triggered something inside of me. I came home and I showed the missus the photo because I took a photo of it. And um, she noticed that I was being a bit weird. And then that night at dinner, I just started crying again, almost like where I'd been told to stop crying. I put the shutter up. It was almost like nothing had happened in between. That triggered, and I was now back to that experience again. And um, the next day, we went to – we've got a posh um, like a department store called John Lewis in England, and uh, we were there for coffee the next day. <laughs> And I started crying again, just out of nothing. And and I was like looking at her, almost like detached from the experience because of all the years of meditation and stuff. Like, this is going on. And I'm like, what is going on here? Like, wh- where is all this coming from? So in my meditation, I started to explore it. And then I realized, um, and I mentioned the want formula earlier, and I started to apply my own stuff. That's how I know it works. And I started to explore well, in the want formula. It's like, well, what do you want? What, what is it that you want that you're not getting? Because that's why we get upset. We're not getting our way. Yeah, it's that simple. So what is it I want? I want Kev to be alive again. I want to rewind time to that moment on my doorstep that when he reaches out to me for help, I help him. And he never, ever goes on that drug deal. And he's alive. And everything's... And it's like a Hollywood film, isn't it? Yeah, it's completely irrational. That will never, ever, ever happen. So why do I keep desiring it? What's the point? I'm just damaging myself and I'm damaging his memory. So um, within the want formula, what, what you understand is, is that when you get the outcome, the perceived outcome that you want, what you're going to get is an experience of love, peace, or happiness, or a combination of them. Like that's why I call them the primary motivators. Like the primary colors, all colors come from three colors. All human experience, positive experience, comes from these three. And um, so that's all you're after. Well, you can create those just by sitting quietly and going, "I am peaceful," <laughs> or "I am loveful," or "I am happy." And if you believe it and you start to create it, you start to move into that experience. So I don't need anything to go my way ever (laughs) for me to have those. And when I then started to apply that to his memory and the memory of the time, it reconfigured it. And what I started to look at was what were his qualities? He was determined. He was brave. He's braver than me. He wanted us to go into the the away end. You know, in football, I'm not calling it soccer. I'm sorry, right? It's it's called football, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Fair enough. Yeah. In football, you've got, um, like, you have the away end and the home end. He wanted me and him to go in the away end, just just us two, and fight with a couple of hundred hooligans. And I was like, no way, mate. No way. Like a death sentence. Yeah. He was brave, mate. Probably a bit stupid, but brave, yeah? 
So what what you do is is you start to remember that person by their virtue and their qualities. And then the more that you do that, that creates an impression inside. So when I'm now triggered by his memory, I experience his virtues and his values, not the sadness of what I didn't do, because that's unhelpful to me. Um, and if some people believe in reincarnation, it's definitely not going to be helpful to him. Yeah. Um, so that is the power of this stuff, which is why it's, all consuming for me and the passion I've got for it because if every human being knew this basic technical stuff and applied it, you would have heaven on earth. There would be no segregation. There'd be no hatred. There'd be no arguing, confusion, fear. There'd be none of that because everyone will be happy and content inside themselves. And that would, and that's the revolution I want on this planet is that everyone takes responsibility for their own thoughts and feelings. And if we all do that as an individual, the world will change. It's like that uh, because you always hear from people that happiness comes from within. When you search for it externally, you might find it momentarily, but it's such a short, short game. And then you get what you want. And then all of a sudden you want something different. Like you find that you want something more and you never actually achieve that level of happiness that you're searching for and it sounds like from what you're saying that it it's because you're not looking with inside yourself you're not finding that happiness that positive energy that emanates from you you're looking you're looking externally to try and take that from the world and put it inside of you yeah And, and and when and look you're an engineer yeah when you look at it technically and mechanically the happiness you get from outside like i did with the phone earlier it's not doing anything. Like, uh, another example, am I right, yeah, for time? Uh, can I do another quick example? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so uh, another common one that I use is going for a walk in the country, yeah? Do you use the word country? And I love the... Uh, the, uh, the back and forth, like the difference. Yeah, yeah, with the language and stuff. Yeah, yeah in the, like in the countryside, like, uh, like outside right. the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you go for a walk in the country. So <clears throat> we're walking along. Uh, it's a beautiful sunny day. You know, the birds are twittering. There's a brook. The brooks are babbling. Yeah. Then you've got the valley in the distance. All right. You're there. You're wonderful. It's lovely. All right. But because of great modern technology now, you've got phone signal. You get a call. You get some bad news. Nothing too bad. Don't start crying and the rest of it. Yeah. You get some bad news. Now you're in a bad mood. But hold on. The sun's, the sun's still shining. The birds are still a flapping. The brooks still a babbling. You've still got the valley. So if that makes you happy, why are you now still not happy? And it's because it ain't doing nothing. The reason it works is because you're in an environment where there's less people, <laughs> less pressure. You're able to think more creatively and differently. So all nature is doing is reflecting back to you what you are creating. And this happens in relationships as well. I love you. I love you. Let's move in together. What do you mean you leave the toothpaste lid off? What do you mean you don't pick your socks up? Yeah. Now I hate you. Right. So where's the change there? It's the same person. You're choosing to love them like you choose to hate them. It's totally self-created. And some people, this upsets because they actually like the lazy life of thinking that everything else gives them these experiences. It's much easier to live through life that way without the responsibility of having to choose. Well, it is until you master this game. Yeah. Once, you, once you have that paradigm shift, yeah, it, this actually becomes more fun. And I'm more in control. Not that I'm a control freak because I'm not in control of none of you. But I'm in control of more in control. I'm not I'm not hundred percent. I'm a student still, but I'm definitely more in control of my thoughts and feelings. And surely that's got to be more amazing than having to rely on certain people being in my company, having certain things, going certain places, uh, because that stuff is not giving you anything. You are interpreting it. Because if we go back to that country walk and you've got what's it called? Um agoraphobia where you're afraid of open spaces yeah agoraphobia 
Okay, right. Yeah. So again, I'm from Essex. We destroy words. Yeah. We're allowed. Yeah, right? <laughs> I yeah. think anyway. I might be completely wrong. I think it's agoraphobia. <laughs> That'll do. Right. So um, if I've got a fear of open spaces, the scene that I described is the worst thing in the world to you. If you've watched Alfred Hitchcock's birds too often, the birds are going to freak you right out. If you've had a drowning experience, the last thing you want is a babbling brook. If you went climbing once or you got lost on a wilderness walk, you ain't going to want to see the valley because that ain't pretty no more. So it's all open to interpretation. And it depends on my viewpoint, chosen viewpoint, on how I interpret it. And the meditation helps you master that because you step back from the distraction of it all and start choosing the direction that you want to go at will. Yeah, man, this has been, this has been awesome. Honestly, this has been such a good conversation. I've really enjoyed this. It's a, um, it, you know, again, it's, it's something that you just hear of all the time. Like you need to meditate, you need to meditate. And, and I think that you're right, that it's an escapism tool for the most part, for most mm-hmm. people. It's, it's not, it's not to do anything, but to just detach you from, stress in your life but you're talking about using it as an actual you know process an actual tool to get something in your life to you know to to to, to achieve that to get you yeah it's all it is it's to actually get you to tap into you and have the confidence and the willingness to express that because everyone is positive and i don't care you can say pedophiles murderers and all of that but the, even those people are driven by a positive outcome. All they want is love, peace, and happiness. A murderer murders someone because they think it's going to make them feel better. They're warped. It's deluded. But what's the intention? The intention is I want a positive experience from this. Yeah. But they don't even realize that. But that's what's driving everyone. And all we've got to do is go in, tap into it, and bring it out. So it's inside out, not outside in. Well, I'll tell you what, speaking of getting to you, how do people get to you? <laughs> well, it, it, like we, we were joking earlier. Um, I've had a, a, um, um, someone working on a website for me, and they've published it, and it's not finished. Um, so um, don't go there. <laughs> well, so far we've got – so we've got uh, – there's a bit.ly link in the description of this video. You want to talk just yeah. briefly about that? Yeah, okay. So that's like a very short ebook um, because, again, I want people to um, take the information on and be able to action it in their lives. It's 10 practical steps on the path to self mastery. So there's some tips on meditation in there. Um, there's some on developing gratitude, some on planning your day, but it's real simple stuff to just tr- try and make it as actionable as possible. So you're more than uh, welcome to kind of access that. But if you type positive Neil into pretty much all the social media platforms, um, or if you want to email me, hi at positive Neil, that's H-I, not H-I-G-H. Those days are over. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hi at positive Neil. Um, they're, they're the ways to connect and, and reach out to me. Okay. We are launching our good thinking um, course um, soon. Um, so you can jump on the wait list for that. Uh, that's at goodthinkingclub.com. Good Thinking Club. Yeah, seriously, guys, for everybody that's listening, like you've seen it. Neil is the real deal. I encourage everybody to go check out his stuff. Everybody's, you know, I'm getting comments all through this. Just brilliant talk. This is, this is, you know, peaceful, powerful, right? Christine's loving it. What's driving everybody inside out? You know, it's very relevant. All of, like, all of everything that I think that you have brought up as examples in this conversation are just are are relevant to people people feel that way so man i just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to come and hang with us today and now look look it goes the other way as well thank you for the invite and uh i've so enjoyed it if you i know you'll never run out but if ever you run out give me a shout again and we'll, we'll do part two <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> like i tell you uh well before we before we go um do you have any parting words, anything that you'd like to leave people with before we sign off? Yeah, don't listen to anyone, not even yourself, <laughs> right? You have got so much, honestly, I can't get it across to you. You have so much power and potential inside of you. Just learn to concentrate and focus the mind and you will start to tap into it. You might not see it straight away, but just, just, just do it. 
Stop reading books and searching for answers in someone else. They're already inside of you. Just learn to focus your mind. I love that. Thank you for coming on Fire Builders Live today. Guys, thank you for tuning in and listening to this conversation. This is Josh and Neil signing off. Uh, thanks again. Neil, have a good day. Everybody, have a good day. Thank you, guys. See you later. Thank you. Take care. Bye.